Hi, I'm Jay John. Welcome to this week's podcast. My guest on Facing the Canon is my good friend, Andy Economides. He was the one that introduced me to Jesus Christ. Andy Economides, welcome to Facing the Canon. Thank you. It is great to have you. To all the viewers out there, I came to faith on the 9th of February, 1975, because this man here introduced me to Jesus Christ. And I can remember Andy at my baptism, I said these words, my friend Andy built a bridge from him to me. And when he did, Christ Jesus walked over it. Do you remember those days when we were students? Wonderful days, yeah, I do. And uh, you introduced me to Jesus, but you introduced many other people to Jesus. And, and then you and I started the Christian Union. Do you remember that? <laughs> Go on, what memories do you have of the Christian Union? Well, you came to Christ, and then you led another guy called Richard to Christ. And then we started out of nothing, the Christian Union with permission, and it ran for quite a while. We had a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Mm. And yeah, lots. Now, you got the opportunity to go to Nigeria. Tell us a little bit about that first experience of going to Nigeria. Well, um, someone called Corky Davy from Bristol invited me to join him and a couple of his friends to Nigeria. And I, I thought, I'm not, I don't really want to go. So I, I said, I'd pray about it. But secretly, I thought, I'm going to, I'm not going. So anyway, somehow I ended up going <laughs> to Nigeria. And uh, we were there for two and a half weeks. And um, I got back and I thought, well, that's it. I'm not going to do that again. Um, I've, I've gone, I've done it. I don't need to go again. Why would I need to go again? It's too difficult. It's too challenging. It's too dangerous. It's too everything. I'm not going. But uh, we try and do what the Lord wants for us. So after prayer and reflecting, I went back. Yeah. How, long, how many years ago was that? Well, next, next year, early next year, it will be 30 years. I've been going for 30 years. So now you, so after this reluctance to first go, this reluctance to even consider going back, mm. you've now been going and ministering in Nigeria for 30 years. Nearly 30 years, yeah. Right. And what has the Lord led you to do out in Nigeria and where? Well, one of the things that we're doing is what Jesus said, go into the world or go into your neighbourhood just and proclaim the gospel. So and make disciples. So our number one thing is to proclaim the gospel, to train others to do the same, and to make disciples, teaching them to obey everything that Jesus says. So that's the first thing. And secondly, we've, we've built a, a school out there, the Soteria Business School, which is like a mission school. And uh, we get young people from the age of about 16 to 30 come who are vulnerable or poor, get education, have a scholarship, and um, they can hear about Jesus, get qualifications and get out of poverty. So that's one of our projects. We've also got a church and we've got a children's project yeah. 
where many children are sponsored to go to school. So over the last three decades, how many children and young people have you helped? I think it's something about uh, 750 children and young people. And some of the children are there for 10 years. Yes. Or longer. And um, so it's not just two or three years. Some, some come to us for many years and uh, get education, perhaps start a business, go to university. And uh, it's a great foundation, Jesus and education. But the Lord has really like put it on your heart and burdened you to do, to do this. Yeah. And what we're doing now more and more intentionally and increasingly is to train others so that after I've been and gone, it will continue. So we're, we're training others, other staff out there. We've got 28 staff there and uh, we want them to continue the work. That's amazing. What, and, and your website is? Soteriatrust.org. Dot UK. Dot UK. And that tells us about the ministry that you're doing. But you don't just do Nigeria. You're also very, very focused in the UK. Yes. Tell us about some of the focus of your ministry here. Well, some of it is encouraging and training Christians and churches to share their faith and evangelism. Some of it is speaking in to churches at their Sunday services or the midweek meetings or whatever it might be. So we travel up and down the country when we can, when we're able to, to do all that. And in fact, I've been to several other countries, but our focus is the UK at the moment and Nigeria. Yeah. Now, you, you, you mentioned it, you have an emphasis of training others and you've certainly trained a lot of uh, Timothy's, uh, I'm, I'm one of those. Um, so over the years, tell us a little bit about how you've managed to coach and train other younger evangelists. Um, I knocked at a door once of a house, we were doing door-to-door -door visitation, and I did a survey with a, with a large man, and then six months later we turned to that door because I made a little note go back. Yes. And then um, on that night, that man said to me that he remembered me and I remembered him. So I went to his house, I got inside his lounge and said, um, I'd like to invite you and your wife, Barbara, to a, a restaurant meeting with a speaker called J. John. Would you come? Anyway, he came. Yes. And that night, about 120 people came and he was one of our guests and you got up to speak. And you spoke about Jesus. Yes. So when it was all finished, I turned to him as one of my guests and said, well, what did you think of that? He said, you people have got something. I said, oh, good. I said, did you pray the prayer? Did you open the door? Did you say yes to Jesus? He said, no. I said, can I come to your house next week? So the next week I'm in his house. We leave late. I give him a little gospel book or journey into life and say to him, if you read this and pray this prayer, will you let me know? So we left. He read it. He fell on his knees, opened the door to Jesus, became a real Christian, started coming to church with his wife. She became a Christian. The children became Christians. Then he went to a 
theological college in Bristol, yes. became an ordained clergyman in the Anglican Church, and he was very much an evangelist. And uh, and then there's then there's David, young David. He was a just got his degree in geography at Southampton University, and I said to him, "I've got a vision for your life. I can see you in full time Christian ministry. How about how about I get some money for you from the church, and we give that to you, and we release you into ministry?" So um, he said, "Would you do that for me?" So I spoke to my minister and he said, do it, Andy. So we got the financial support for him and uh, we employed him as a youth worker. And he right. went into schools and he did youth work in the city and proclaimed the gospel and did discipleship himself. And then he went to a theological college yes. and he became a minister. And today he's a chaplain in the army, overseeing other chaplains. Amazing. Amazing. I mean, the thing is, is uh, these opportunities are out there. The first one, you actually knocked on the door, but you went back. You invited him to a meeting. He heard the gospel. Then you went back. And as a consequence of that, his entire family came to Christ. And then he got ordained into the church. I mean, uh, we're encouraged. We read that in, in um, Peter in the New Testament always be prepared to give an answer. Why do you think most of us Christians are not always ready? We're not always prepared. We don't take these opportunities. I, I, I don't know. I think sometimes it might be that, okay, I've got, I'm, I'm busy. I'm going from A to B. I'm gonna go and do the shopping now. I'm gonna go and do this now. We've got our own lives to live, yes. we're taken up with that, we're trying to get through the day, and that might seem quite hard, especially at times, at the moment, like we're facing. So we just, we just wanna be okay ourselves. So about stopping and saying hello and being loving and friendly, it might be challenging, but I think you just gotta stop and say, Lord, use me today. And if you get that prompting, to learn to go with it. The other, the, the other day um, I was walking where in the town that I live and uh, I felt, stop and speak to that man that you've been saying hello to for about a year. So I said, hello. So, so I've, just, I've just known him and all we've been doing for about a year is, hello, good morning, nice dog, and that's it. No more than that. That day I stopped and I invited him um, for, to a cafe and have coffee and cake. So we get there about a week or two later and he sits down, he's 79, his name is Ken. He walks with a walking stick. I'm sitting opposite him in this really nice cafe and he looks at me in the eyes and says to me, why have you asked me here? I said, Ken, I've got a question for you. That's why I've asked you to ask you the question. So he's looking at me. Yeah, what is it? So I say to him, <laughs> Ken. Now I say, and I'm really full of love. I just can't yes. help it. I'm not even trying. I'm just looking at this dear man. I said, Ken, when you die, 
and you stand before God and he says to you, you know, why should I let you in? I said, are you going to heaven, Ken? So he spoke to me about that. He said he's going to heaven because he's been good. So I don't judge him. I don't knock him down. I just listen to why he's going to heaven. Yes. And then I need to put the record straight that none of his or none of my righteousness will get us in. Yeah. But what will get us in is our faith in Jesus. So I talk about the passport that he needs. So I talk about, I, I, I took that uh, postcard of that famous painting, I showed him it, uh, Light of the World. I explained he had to open the door and that by faith in the death of Jesus, if he puts his faith in Jesus, he'll get to heaven and it doesn't depend on his works. And then he said to me a little bit later, what do you want me to do? Then I told him what to do. It was amazing. Then it started to rain and we walked out the coffee shop yes. and I'm walking through the high street with my umbrella trying to shield him from the rain and he's walking really slowly and I, I just left him that day and I prayed, Lord, I pray that he will open the door to, to you and save him. That's dear Ken. That's dear. And all because you said, morning, hello, but one day you stopped. You know, it reminds me, we read often of Jesus in the Gospels. Um, he was walking and he stopped and spoke to somebody. Mm. Yeah. But we need to do more of that, don't we, in the church? We do. And we can. And every Christian, every person that knows and loves Jesus can. And it's a lie from the enemy that says you can't. Every person that loves Jesus can do that. So I know. It's a choice. It is a decision, isn't it? It is a choice. Mm. Absolutely. But also it's a commission mm. from Jesus. I mean, he's told us to do this. Mm. Um, I mean, it's, it, you know, all the years I've ever known you, Andy, you, you have always uh, been intentional in, in sharing your faith. What, what do you feel the Lord is teaching you now at this moment? What's he been revealing to you? I think Jesus is coming sooner than we think. And I think he wants us who know him already to be fully committed in heart, soul and spirit to him. And if anything comes to mind that we ought to put right, let's do that. I think he's coming soon. And all the things that he spoke about and the Bible speaks about uh, nearing his coming, the end times, they're fast approaching. More and more of those prophetic things are being fulfilled. And I think he's saying, uh, get ready, my people. Proclaim the gospel. I'm coming soon and uh, we need to be mindful of the gospel 
and of his coming. We say in some churches, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. I yes. think there's an emphasis on Christ is coming. You know, we go, we celebrate Christmas hugely, but what we don't believe and celebrate enough is he is coming. Yes. We know the Bible speaks about two of his comings. And there is his second coming. He's coming. Let's be ready. Let's proclaim the good news. Put And let's be like D.L. Moody, who was that famous evangelist that, that consecrated himself more so that he could be used as a greater vessel for God. Yes. That's... that's in, in Moody's time, no one had ever spoken to as many people as he did. This simple man that only had a few years of schooling, one of nine children from a very poor background, brought up by a widow, suddenly converted from his Sunday school teacher, said, I'm going to, no one has yet to see, his friend said to him, a man fully consecrated to God. So by God's grace, let's be fully given to Jesus. Now with D.L. Moody, something shifted and something changed um, after the great fire in Chicago. Uh, tell us about that. Well, he, he just finished his sermon that night, on that very night. I think it was 1871. And the bell started ringing in, in, in the town or the city of Chicago. And um, a third of the Chicago was destroyed, 200 people killed, and 17,000 people lost their homes in one night. He was never the same. He vowed to God that, that thereafter that he would um, be even more intentional and that he would always give people an opportunity to decide for Jesus. He would he'd always challenge and invite people to receive and repent and receive Jesus. So there was like a real urgency after the fire. Um, it made him realise yes. that every day counts. Yes, every day counts. And he made a promise to God that he would lead, not talk to anybody more than that. He would lead one person to Christ every day and it said of him God helped him to fulfill that yes it's a bit like Dixie Dean yes I remember when him. he came to our youth group when we were teenagers yes and God spoke to him and said Dixie I want you to speak to one person every day about me and sometimes they'd have a look in the phone book Pick That's a name. Right. Sometimes you'd have to go lay out late at night like at 11 and, and, and find a down and out in London to tell and, and show some love or speak to them about Jesus. But Dixie Dean, whom we heard, we, yes. and those are the stories that really affected us and transformed us, made that promise to God and he kept it. Yes. Just like Dale Moody. Absolutely. Mm. I know there is an urgency. You said earlier on, um, Andy, uh, we need to be more committed. Uh, uh, what, just unpack that more for us. In the light of Jesus's coming return, how committed 
In what ways do we need to be committed? In what ways do we need to surrender? Well, for me, I'm asking the question, you know, what do you want me to do, Lord, with regard to um, the ministry that you've given me in this country and Nigeria? I want, I, I want to follow what you're asking me to do. So I want to be committed in that way. I want to continue what the Lord has asked me to do given me my hands to do, to take care of the, that thing that God has given me to do. So I want to be committed to that. I want to be committed to reading the word every day. I want to be committed to praying. I try and read Spurgeon in the morning and in the evening, his daily yes. devotional. I've been doing that for two years. If you read Spurgeon for two years, you can't be the same. Now, Charles Spurgeon, for those who don't know, he was a, a minister in London. Mm. Uh, but thousands would flock to his services. Yeah, he had a church of about up to 6,000. Um, his sermons were produced in their thousands every week. They were on the billboards in Scotland on train stations. He's called even today the Prince of Preachers. His writing today, he's got more influence today far more than when he was alive. Amazing. And his devotional, I found over the last two years, beautiful and helpful, encouraging, challenging, inspiring, very insightful and ins um, uh, discerning. If anyone listening, Andy, today, they're, they're kind of, they've heard this, they know about it, they're sitting on the fence, the thing about sitting on the fence is it's actually very uncomfortable, isn't it? <laughs> it's not very comfortable no. sitting on the fence. Uh, a friend of mine, um, Michael Green, um, who was promoted to glory, he said, anyone who sits on the fence, let's electrocute them, <laughs> you know, give them a, a spark. Mm. Uh, what would you say to anyone who's sitting on the fence about the Christian faith? What would your encouragement be to them? Today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. Make the decision to give your life fully, as fully as you can. Come to him just as you are and give your life to Jesus. And for Christians, for those that know Jesus already, say, you can have it all. Yeah. Here I am. I surrender all. And to um, those that don't know Jesus yet, here I am. And I, I surrender all. And I open the door. Come into my life by your spirit. Do with me what you want, Master. If anyone would like to say yes to that, that what you've just said Andy could you please speak to them now mm. and and lead them into a prayer of commitment if you'd like to as J. John has said if you'd like to say yes to Jesus now um, I'm going to keep my eyes open and pray a prayer and uh, if you'd like to echo this uh, then please do so this is the prayer this is the decision Let's make this decision. Lord Jesus, 
I believe that you are the Son of God. Lord Jesus, you died for me. I put my trust and faith in you. Forgive me for all my sins and receive me. I open the door to you. Come into my life by your Holy Spirit. Cleanse me, forgive me, Lord Jesus. I receive you as my Lord. I receive you as my Saviour from sin. And I receive you as my Master. Even now. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, uh, the Lord has heard that prayer and he has answered that prayer. And there's a new beginning. You've been born again. And uh, I pray for you and I announce and I pronounce Christ's forgiveness. May you be cleansed and set free from the past. May you know his peace and his presence. May you know the power of his spirit on you and in you and with you. And may you know his protection as you fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Amen. Andy, it's such an encouragement um, hearing a little bit about your own story, uh, your, uh, a bit about your ministry and just your practices of sharing the good news with others. Um, uh, this is the book that you mentioned, True, that you, you give out to people. So you carry this with you. I do. And when you have an opportunity, you just offer it to people mm. uh, and it contains the gospel message. Mm. Um, and then you've uh, written this lovely book, uh, Refreshed and Renewed, uh, which are like daily devotions to kind of warm the heart. And uh, these resources are available on your uh, website. Uh, Andy, it's, it's thank you for introducing me to Jesus and introducing so many other people to Jesus. And uh, all the best. Keep on keeping on for the future. Thank you for joining us on Facing the Canon. Thank you. How uh, encouraging was that? Um, you know, I, I like it when you hear someone and meet someone who doesn't just talk about it, uh, but actually lives it, um, is a real practitioner. And um, I'm so thankful that Andy um, introduced me to Jesus. Uh, he, in fact, he bought me a Bible. Um, I didn't have a Bible and he would meet with me once a week um, over lunch explaining the Bible to me and that eventually brought me to Christ and it transformed my life, it transformed my, my future, uh, it transformed my destiny. So why don't you do that for someone else? Reach out to someone else and introduce them to Jesus. Thank you for joining us on Facing the Canon. Hope today has inspired you. Please join us again. 
You've been listening to the J. John Podcast. To find out more about J. John's ministry, visit www.canonjjohn.com and follow him on social media. Heroes of the Faith is a new podcast by J. John and his wife, Killy. Sign up today to hear the incredible stories of some of J. John's heroes of the Christian faith and the lessons we can learn from their lives. Hear about Harriet Tubman, who after escaping from a life of slavery in the USA, went on to rescue over 300 other slaves. John Bunyan, whose book, The Pilgrim's Progress, has sold more copies than any other book other than the Bible and inspired millions of people around the world. George Muller, who helped tens of thousands of children whilst leaving a lasting legacy of trust in God's provision. Ever wondered who saved more lives than anyone else on earth? Listen to the story of Edward Jenner, the Christian doctor who discovered vaccination. With a new story to be told each week, sign up now to hear J. John's Heroes of the Faith.